0: You're listening to Dream Talk Radio. This is Anne Hill, and today I am in New Orleans talking with Roger Kamenitz, the author of The History of Last Night's Dream, Discovering the Hidden Path to the Soul. Roger, thanks so much for uh, joining me for a conversation.
1: Sure, Anne. Nice to be here.
0: It's great It's great to meet you, and uh, I really enjoyed your book. I think of, uh, and I read a lot of books on dream work, and I so appreciated your writing throughout. I you mean, obviously, you're Professional writer and so forth, but just thank you as a, as a book reviewer <laughs> from a book reviewer.
1: Thank you, appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh,
0: before we uh, before I started recording, you were mentioning something about more recent writing about forgetting dreams. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could say a little something about what that is. Well, about. you know, whenever
1: um, whenever we go around, I, I perhaps you've had the same experience, usually if I give a talk or something, yeah. almost always the first question uh, is, um, what if you don't dream? And actually it's often presented with a certain aggression, right. kind of like, I don't dream, and you're an idiot to dream. <laughs> so yeah, there's That's a certain true. level of hostility and anger in it even. Um, but underneath, which, which tells me something actually already, that was kind of a hint in thinking about how to address that. Uh, of course, scientifically we know that everyone... Right. except for a very small group of people dreams uh, maybe four or five times a night uh, we've been doing it ever since we've been human beings um, but it's true that we forget our dreams mm-hmm. and if we aren't particularly engaged with them we're more likely to do that so um, in thinking about the question of if people are angry it's probably because they're afraid or they're in pain and I assume it's pain in this case. Kind of sitting in an audience listening to people talking about their wonderful dreams or their scary dreams, and you don't have anything. you got nothing. Right. So, so that, that's not fun. Right. So there's that. And, and maybe it's a men thing. Too. You know, men. It seems like more men mm. than women say that. Mm. I don't have time for this nonsense. Right. You know, right. I'm a busy man. You know? <laughs> I'm a macho man. I, I can't waste time on dreams. So there's that too. You Pretty know, soon
0: I'll be crocheting. You can't right. make me crochet. Oh, my God. No sp- <laughs> yeah, right.
1: You know. so, so there's this whole deal. But, but maybe deeper is that um, I know from my own experience, very often I have dreams and then I can't remember them yeah. if you don't grasp the dream. And, and so then I started thinking about that experience of... Um, the dream of having been in this wonderful or terrifying or sexy or funny alternative universe mm-hmm. and then losing it all, and all you have left is just the the memory that I did have this dream, and maybe there's some hint or something, mm-hmm. but basically very little left, and that experience is itself valuable mm-hmm. it's preparing us for you know the time when. We won't wake up. Yeah. So, so to say that in a certain way, maybe forgetting our dreams is actually also a very profound experience mm-hmm. um, that teaches us how to deal with loss, right. with the loss of what is deep, beautiful, scary, uh, engaging, terrifying, mm-hmm. um, exciting...
0: That's such an important point. I was just thinking of a dear friend of mine who's who is also a great writer and she often has dreams where she's, you know, going along and she's recording this very profound conversation where she's writing something and then somebody says something and she can't remember those words. And right. it is there is an element of that the loss of faculty. This is my strength, you know. How right. can I not right. bring that out? So I think right. you're right. There is
1: right. I mean, I think that actually in the in the in the history of last night's dream, I recall there's a dream where something amazing is going on, and then I get concerned about writing it down. Yeah. So so that's deeply embedded, I think, in writers and other people who want to capture. Not only the you know, not only um, more general sense of their experience, but the very spe- specific what words mm-hmm. were said. Right. You know, I always tell my clients, don't give yeah. me indirect quotes. What did the guy or the gal, the archetype, actually right. say? Yeah. What were the words? And very often the words are full of intentions that even the dreamer doesn't really yeah. fully understand. Right. Um, 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 the um I I was working with someone's dream and, and there was a boy in a bathtub mm-hmm. and the dreamer was holding this boy down and um, um he said it's my turn and um she interpreted it to mean um, it's my turn to hold you down but oh, uh-huh. but that I yeah. think what he was saying was something quite different. Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, um, this thing of forgetting reminded me of something I knew from um, sort of a paradox in, in Jewish mystical thought, and the paradox is that in, in, in the teachings of, of Isaac Luria, which is sort of the basis for, really, the Kabbalah that we have... Um, He's saying that there's the first, you know, that that there's a withdrawal of the light,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's actually in this darkness that's ab, absent. It has no trace of of the divine or whatever word you right. want to use. Right. It's there that the universe was actually created, but there's kind of a paradox there because they're also saying there's no place without. The divine. right? So that's a real paradox, and um, I think we know that. But what they said, so the one way they got around it, which is very poetic, was they said that there was a trace. Uh-huh. It's called, uh, in Hebrew, it's called Rishimu. Mm. So they liken it to uh, if you have a, a glass of wine and you throw the wine out, there's still some trace on the sides uh-huh. of the insides of the glass. And so Maybe a dream is like that. In other words, the dream that you forget is the trace of a light that you did experience. And so, what that builds in you is a longing for the light. So, in a certain way, that that experience is actually could um, help you feel more deeply how much loss you feel to be sitting in the nothing of not remembering. Uh, so
0: it is that paradox of realizing that I forget makes me remember that there is this something right. that I want to pay attention to, so it sort right. of actually underscores my intention Right. next if, time.
1: If you could feel this pain rather than anger, you yeah. know, then right. it becomes a longing right. for what you lost rather than the anger of what you don't have, yes. which is the other way to go. Yeah, um, yeah that's...
0: And I was kind of, fun- that's my
1: take on
0: it. Anyway. Well, tell me what you think about this because uh, you know people people often come to me uh, about with regret mm. about having forgotten a dream and feeling right. like oh this means I'm you know just a failure I mean this or or some some version right. of that story right. right and to but to me dreams are so forgiving right. you know that there's that that impulse from the psyche or from spirit or whatever that is that. Mm that acorn turning into an oak that is the story of our life mm-hmm. in some sense. And yeah. that if we forget last night's dream, there's always tomorrow night's. Correct. Do you, you, you agree with that, yeah?
1: I do, and I think that, of course, as you enter into this relationship of working with someone's dream, there's a desire to please the right. teacher, and there's this kind of intensity that we do all the time anyway. It's yeah. this neurotic intensity that we get. And so yeah that's another version yeah. in the regret or self-blame really it's right. more if it were regret just the pain of loss then i think you're closer to the longing yeah. but I, if if it's blame like i'm a bad student i'm a bad right. dreamer i'm not fulfilling maybe what my what ann wants me to do or right. whatever then then that turns in, that's a little more about shame and blame and you know blaming yourself shaming yes. yourself that's that's not going to take you Anywhere near what the dream wants to give yeah, you. So, um, I think everything we're given in this experience of paying attention to dreams, including forgetting them, yeah. could be part of the process, if yeah. we, we could understand it that way.
0: Yes, and I, I mean, having been in a, a dream group for myself for over 20 years, Wow! I think, I mean, that's that's the key lesson that I've learned. Right. Uh, really honestly, this slow pace of change. Right. You know, belied by our weekend workshop culture that we right. all participate in. Right. But just that the the psyche and, and just you have to wait for, like uh, wait for stages to complete right. in order for the new insight to come. Which is something you actually talked about in your book in just in yeah. terms of uh, mysticism. Right. So many of the mystical traditions have this sort of a, you're, you have to be a certain age or you have to have acquired a certain level of experience in the world. Right. Do you think dreams have any, I mean, do, where is, how do you feel that dream work settles in with that history, with that um, uh, aspect of mystical tradition?
1: I mean, that's, that's another topic I would like to write about. Mm. Um, I'm particularly focused on... Um, um, a comment that Young makes. I'm not sure how well informed he was when he made it, but it's really interesting in light of you know the sort of I mean, the business about you know Young, Young and the Jews, Young and anti-Semitism, right. There's this whole controversy. Right. But but one of the things he says is um, that all of my um, all of my work, archetypal work, was actually anticipated by the uh, um, 18th century Hasidic master, the Maggid of Mezrich, uh-huh. who I had already written about because he influenced um, Kafka. I wrote about Kafka uh-huh. and Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, uh-huh. and he was in, he influenced both of those people. Uh-huh. So um, I didn't know what Jung really meant by that or how well-informed he was, right. but what the Maggid teaches is that all of our feelings and in principle all of our reactions to feelings mm-hmm. can lead us to feelings and all of our feelings have a root in the divine mm-hmm. so that there's a process by which by deepening your feelings uh, you can find soul and you can right. find connection and and this is really what dreams are helping us mm-hmm. to do so if, if that's what young men it's it's quite precise yeah actually as a statement yeah so that's where now that's just relating to one Particular mystical tradition, not mm-hmm. you're asking a more general question, well, but that's 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 how well, I'm sure. understanding yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that we know that dreamland, dream space, the archetypal clearly underlies. I mean, that would be my view. It underlies all mystical experience, yeah. and and therefore it's our you know it's our common humanity, yes. and dreams give us um, uh, a language. Uh, I was I, I'm reading Keats, and I just this pops into my head. But he said something really interesting about Shakespeare. He said um, his life was a life of a- allegory, on which of which his plays were the comments. Oh, <laughs> that's pretty nice. sharp for a twenty-three-year-old guy to Let's say. Say that again. His, Keith right. About Keats said that Shakespeare's Shakespeare. life was a life of allegory. Alleg- and his plays were the comments on the allegory.
0: Oh, that's so interesting! In words, he lived
1: his life in the interior, is the way I would understand. Uh-huh. It. He lived in in the archetypal place, right. and then the plays and the dramas right. come out as sort of a, a way of reflecting that.
0: So, really, the the, it's the Talmud, the, the yeah. plays, or the Mishnah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh,
1: I mean, that we don't stand in. I mean, this I think, I think, if you keep doing this dream work, as, as you've been doing yeah. it it comes a time when the center of gravity shifts and you start seeing your waking life as a commentary on the dreams rather than the other way around. Yeah,
0: yeah. and one thing that I tell people who are interested in asking for dreams uh is that, I mean, my experience doing that is that always, always, always the dream is not only giving me an answer, but it's commenting on my question.
1: In mm-hmm. fact, That's brilliant. Yeah. It, at
0: right. least, at fr- it, especially at first, right, right. I would say it was 90% commentary on right. w- why is this how you frame that? Like, you're not even seeing right. the issue. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I in, in one uh, particular, one that stands out in my mind, over two weeks... You know, each one I, I had to sort of reframe my question until finally mm-hmm. I was asking the right question. Oh, that's great! That's great. <laughs> right,
1: right. We, it's sort of like a teacher once said to me: "We have all the answers, but our job is to get the students to ask the right yeah. question." <laughs> <You know. laughs> that's right, and uh, yeah, that's really right. That's interesting. Yeah.
0: So I mean, talking about commentary.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, for people who haven't read your book, which yeah. is the history of last night's dream. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to point out one thing in particular. I've got some notes in here. But this, I think, is, to me, the crux of where you go as far as understanding, I don't know if the meaning or the purpose or is, is the right way to frame it, but really the function of dreams. And, and you write, um, there are, are three gifts of the dream, to discover your pain, to see your soul, and to explore its realm. mm mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could just give a, uh, our listeners a little the thumbnails mm. <laughs> sketch of, of right. that uh, you right. know two hundred and fifty page uh, right.
1: Sum. Well, the, the other thing I would say, of course, is as, yeah. as a writer, I wrote the book um, uh, coming out of a relationship with a certain teacher who yeah. I'm no longer uh-huh. in relationship okay. to, but but I think I sort of graduated. But yeah. but um, the way I was trying to formulate. My understanding—it's sort of like the the chick that still has some of the shell in its head, right? So I yeah. was coming out of you know, this whole my whole relationship yeah. to um, to dreams in the Book of right. Genesis and all sure. that, and that's how I chose to frame yeah. it. I, I probably wouldn't frame it. Oh, quite that, that way was now. my second question. Yeah, Maybe yeah, can you give yeah. an
0: update on that?
1: Yeah, well, I'm working on it. I mean, okay. I, I, mean I, 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 I want to say it in a different way, yeah, and not necessarily tie it to. Um, To that particular thing. uh, Although that, for a lot of people, apparently, some people, uh that was a really congenial approach if they had to be interested in, as I was raised on those stories, Uh you know, Joseph and Uh Jacob and so forth. But um, to to answer the the first question, um, I mean, I think we know that, uh, especially early on when we're working with people's dreams, that they tend to show... Uh, they're so brutally honest that they show how we lie how we steal how we um, uh, react in anger how we um, really hurt people Mm -hmm. Uh, and if we're able to handle that criticism if we can take it in and we begin to soften and change and look for the feelings that are underneath Mm -hmm. the the cycle of automatic reactions Mm -hmm. we become more human uh, more I'd say permeable Mm-hmm. and and then then this work begins where we find this deeper place of of, of images of the soul mm-hmm. you know which um in our work have a lot to do with with children appearing boys and girls and uh, maybe yeah. uh and and in each of these developments there's there's stages and stages right. you know but sure. but um you know first you see the girl but it's a long time before you be the girl. Right. You know? So there has to right. be this shift. Yeah. Um, then, um, you know, in relation to pain, which is so important, not just pain, but, but that's a big one, pain okay. and terror. Yeah. Um, I've been quoting a lot lately uh, Whitman Whitman in Song of Myself. He has this wonderful passage where he... It's in section 33 of the original... Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, Agonies are one of my changes of garments. Mm. I do not ask the wounded person how he feels. I myself become the wounded person. Mm. And I would say that that move. Yeah. And by the way, then he demonstrates it. He be, he takes you vividly into the death of a fireman, and it's so powerful. Yeah. I, I don't have that part by right. heart. Yeah. But it's so specific and rendered with such detail that it's absolutely, it's not just. Bragging that I'm an right. empathetic person yeah. and that I can become another person—it's showing you. Yeah. that's really important to me. To, to I mean, that's the gift of the writer, the poet, uh-huh. the artist. No, well, we don't all have that, but right. to to not just say these things or even feel them, but to do them. Uh-huh. You know, that's really different. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, so the gift of, of becoming the soul who can then. Um, enter into the lives of other people Mm -hmm. Um, and then the third piece is the realm well the realm is of course we call the archetypal realm the realm of where there are teachers um, or um, and they're really wonderful and funny and engaging um, kinds of teachers who show up and say things that are so amazing and challenging and mysterious and that I feel, I'm, I suspect you do too, I could never have made that stuff no. up. You know? No, not possible. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just this morning, I had such a dream of that like that. It was so funny. It was like I was right down the street there and this car was going too fast and I made a gesture and it stopped. And it, it was a dark tinted car and the, and the window rolled down and the guy sort of had a pretty tough look uh-huh. and I was really scared. Uh-huh. And... Um, <laughs> But for some reason I didn't run, which would be my impulse. Yeah, right. And I sort of leaned down and he looked at me and he said, get your own tribe. <laughs> which I thought, I don't know what that means, but I thought, wow, <laughs> you know.
0: Wow, the tinted windows. What kind of car?
1: It was kind sure. of like a, it was like, it was a kind of beat up car, kind of a, like you'd see in the hood. All right, right. Get, you know, your, own get your own tribe. Get your own tribe. Yeah, get your own tribe. Well, it's more like, get your own tribe. That's
0: hilarious.
1: Yeah. There's something to chew on for a while. Yeah. Well, it reminded me of a story I heard about Louis Armstrong. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He was in London. I heard this from a musician friend, and and someone said to him, a guy from the Rolling Stones okay. met with him, and he said, well, um, what's it like to, to travel and have to play with the people who are here yeah. rather than bring your own group? And he said, well, I'm not really playing with them. I'm playing with... I have my own orchestra in Uh my head, Uh and I'm playing with them. Oh, right! And so then the guy said to him, "Well, well, who's in the orchestra?" And Armstrong looked at him and snapped and said, "Get your own effing orchestra!" (laughs) Which I think it's you know that's great. You know, get your own. In other words, don't Uh try to you know.
0: That's hilarious because I I just did you have you seen the documentary on Muscle Shoals just came out Mm -mm. last year. Fantastic! uh, Oh, I probably love that. It's great. But, interviewed, Keith Richards, Mick Jagger about, you know, yeah. they, they, uh, they recorded whatever the heck right. album that was, Down in Muscle Shoals, <laughs> I was just thinking, right. right, their tribe was the old R&B right. and blues albums that they heard right, right. in England.
1: That's true. That's, that's interesting. So, the tribe is the place you love, the place, it may not be your birth family or right. your birth tribe, but it's some mm. sense of connection to... Um, to others. I mean, I'm starting to, I mean, that's, that's really, you know, I, I think I belong to several tribes, sure, including yeah. the one I was born into, but I also yeah. belong to the the New Orleans artist tribe. Yeah. I belong to the poetry tribe, which is global right. and to the dream tribe. So I, yeah. I have multiple memberships, I guess.
0: Well, and, and me too. I mean, I grew up in Oakland, California, yeah. and it was just, you know, you just listen to the music. I think music is such a, yeah. It's it's such a primal slash tribal right. impulse, yeah. and listening to funk, you know Tower yeah. of Power, all those people yeah. growing up, and then when I started to listen to like a, I don't know Neville Brothers or right. Doctor right. John of the Meters, you it kind of blew my mind. Like, wait a second! Oh, there's a right,
1: right. There's a, line. There's yeah.
0: a direct right. connection there.
1: Yeah, I, when I first came to New Orleans, um, I'd gotten a job. At, at the university in LSU and um I was all new to me yeah. um and it was a really hot day in August and I was in the French Quarter which was deserted because it was it was mm-hmm. hot mm-hmm. but there was a lone guy playing saxophone in the street corner and you could hear it mm-hmm. I was sort of drawn to it and um you know I, I think music is sort of the soul's means of transportation you know, yeah. it's, it's how it carries yeah. us and uh, I think you're right um and then we find our way home, and that home may yeah. not be where we were born. Like yeah. I was born in Baltimore, I'm here in New Orleans. But you know, right, you right. follow the music.
0: Yeah, yeah, I
1: think that's yeah. true. So I don't know what the guy was saying. <laughs> I still don't really know what you <laughs> well, get your own tribe. That's challenging, you know. It's a
0: great koan. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a
1: bit of a dream on. I think yeah, that's right. Yeah. That, that's another. I mean, that's you know, I have a friend Henry Shookman who does this same kind of dream work uh-huh. I do, and he's in Santa Fe, but he's also a roshi. Oh So he's kidding. constantly. And he's of that branch, I don't know which one it's called, that they deal with koans. So okay. uh, I've never talked to him about dream koans, but I mean, I think it seems like an intuitively correct idea.
0: Well, that's, I mean, that, one of those dream phrases is what really set me on the road to, to talking to people oh, about really? dreams, which is yeah. that I was, uh, was drifting off to sleep. In my sleep, I'm drifting into a dream, and in my dream walking down Mission Street in San Francisco toward Cafe Commons. Mm-hmm. Except in my dream, it's called the Gnosis Cafe. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> kind of hard to ignore. <laughs> it's kind of hard to ignore. And I'm going in and, you know, the sort of frosted windows, warm mm-hmm. light coming out. Yeah. And like this good feeling. And at that moment, I realized... Oh, I'm drifting into a dream. I'm starting to dream. Oh, this is where I go to dream—the Gnosis Cafe, right, right? Which is really the commons, and so right, it, it right. just—that was early on in my experience of group dream work, and it yeah. I, it really did mm-hmm. set the tone. Yeah, you know that I think is the base tone, and and I'm mm-hmm. and I've, mm-hmm. i I continue to think about that. Like, what does right. that mean to truly share? Other, my yeah. own, and other people's transformation in right. a nurturing environment, right,
1: right, like a cafe, like a cafe. No, I hear you. Yeah. It's, it's actually really something that um, my daughter Kezia is really involved with. But but the idea that through dreaming and healing we can create a community, yeah, and that that aspect of it is is both um, challenging and. Mm-hmm fraught in a certain way it's a lot easier on me just to do one-on-one but a community has happened and and when they folks you know we just did a retreat in in south louisiana in thibodeau and Mm -hmm. it's our fourth Mm -hmm. and when the people get together and they're from all over the country and they're brothers and sisters and it's so warm and beautiful and um and and it's an instant community because you've shared. Your interior the yeah. most significant things going on right. inside of you whereas so much of social life is not the gnosis camp uh, cafe but more the um, I'd say the agnostic campaign <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> you know? Yeah, sure you know? And, and and the pol- you know even the way we project that into politics or we try to create community oh
0: my gosh there's you know politics in the dream work field I mean well, you know yeah. there's all kinds of little turf wars and skirmishes right. and tribal
1: right Internecine. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I probably, if I were more, yeah, I'd probably be just as bad. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of like in my own world, so it's not a problem. But, yeah. but I, yeah, there are. Uh, I mean, I think that I'd be curious to know more about how you know. I, I would assume that creating community. I do think creating community is something dreams can do. I think, I think, I often think about how wonderful it would be if. People were sharing dreams in elementary and junior high school yeah. because right. I think kids would really benefit from the ability to learn what's inside of them and yes. other people. Yeah, absolutely. There's a way to do that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you're, the, the, I'm going back to your tribal comment too, just in terms yeah. of... I feel like... In, in, uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about your, your current way of working with dreams because my... Experience going through starting with dream work mm-hmm. is that um, if you start uh, as we did, we didn't know anything about working in on dreams. We just sort of mm-hmm. our kids were in preschool. We were doing this thing. We decided to give it a try. Right. Uh, we the first place we went is to sort of a what I would think of as a like a self help psychology thing. Like go to the place that seems broken right. and just kind of bang on it for a while. It, mm-hmm. You know, like really, why why did you know? who was that strange guy or, or, or why did you fall down the stairs or whatever instead of looking at the, at, at the gestalt, as you would say, of the dream first and mm. or maybe establishing mm. the community sense, the communal right. sense or establishing the, the beauty of the dream. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think that um, the hot spot in the dream, the place where things are broken, is, right. is really important. Yeah. And I think... It's often, um, one of my senses is that when you're working with people is it's often the part that's skipped over, denied immediately, mm-hmm. pulled back. Mm-hmm. You can sort of see the sign of it. Right. And so you have to be really intelligent and careful and looking. And And I view it, it's almost like we are, like this is the, the dream's the raw footage, but we're sort of more like editors. Yeah. And we're saying, well, you know what, I think this part where you walk past that guy, we need to actually Find out why you left him. Mm-hmm.
0: Right.
1: Why'd you leave the guy that you were in love with in that right. moment? Right. Why'd you suddenly realize, oh, I have, I have an appointment or whatever? So you know what I'm saying, that there are moments of right. this hot spot, and then there, there are refusals of it, the reactions, the ignoring, the numbness. And so what we do, at least what I do, and I don't know how you work, but what I do is I I replay the dream with the person, mm-hmm. and then I slow it down, mm-hmm. and then I have the person feel feel into the places where something got skipped over or yeah. maybe there wasn't feeling. Um, we try to get under reactions. So first we explore the reaction, what the resistance is, whether it was um, anger or shame, mm-hmm. and blame, those are right. biggies. You know, and sort of say, well, okay, now, okay, maybe that guy isn't trying to hurt you. Right. Like you think. So then what? Right. Can you look at him? You know, uh, maybe you were just afraid. Mm-hmm. Do you know about this fear? So we try to just deepen down to feeling. So I think that's a really important yeah. piece, the feeling and reaction, right. especially in the early stages. If Once we have that clearer and the person begins to become congruent with that in waking life and mm-hmm. start catching how we do that, right. uh, how we avoid feeling, right. um, the dreams can deepen and... Um, then it begins more about relationship mm-hmm. with others in waking life, and then with the archetypes right. um, in the dream world. And as that happens, also the person softening and changing, and right. kind of letting go of identification with the dream ego. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's another piece. I mean, it's a very complicated work. So right, you know, yeah. I'm just sort of outlining it, but but it's actually very detailed yeah. and subtle. But um, and I would say the main thing now after having done this with people for 12 years, mm-hmm. it, it's not about getting the dream for me now. I mean, I can usually get most dreams pretty mm-hmm. fast, but that's nothing. Right. Getting the dream is nothing. But what it, the question is, can you align yourself with the way the archetypes do it in such a way that you're in alignment with what they're doing in the dream mm-hmm. so that the person can actually be in a position to... Um, to change you know, mm. that's mm-hmm. when the magic really happens right and as far as the rate of change um i do think that paying it just simply paying attention to dreams for a long period of time will slowly produce yeah. change I, I i believe you're right mm-hmm. we're we're kind of um not, i'd say we're amplifying it the mm-hmm. way i work so maybe it goes a I mean, I, what I see now of, at clients I've worked with four or five, six years—the changes now from where they started are just amazing. You right. know, the, the the lonely who get connected, the, the single people who get married, people yeah. changing their sexual orientation—I've had to go both ways. Right. Um, all those things are amazing yeah. to be sort of the midwife yes. for those changes.
0: Yeah. When you're when you're uh, talking about that, I, I had this image yeah. of the. The dream and the archetypes and all the, just that all cluster of energies and the dream being the band and Hmm. the work being sort of the band shell where, you know, a lot of times Hmm. when you're playing a song, some of the lines or the acoustics are such that whole lines get lost. You can't hear, maybe you can't hear the trumpet or something, so you just got to sort of arrange the baffling, right. so that it kind of, so it, it resonates mm-hmm. more and you can hear it more. So the listener, yeah. the dreamer, gets right. gets it reflected back in a mm-hmm. way that sort yeah. of evens out the tones.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, what very specifically in my work, I think um, the image of... One of the things that started happening for me, one of the changes was that, you know, I've, I've always been a poet since I was mm-hmm. 15, but I started writing songs, which meant I had to learn how to work with music, which mm-hmm. meant I had to have a relationship with a musician. It turned mm-hmm. out to be a, a family friend mm-hmm. who I knew when she was two years old. Mm-hmm. So it's a sort of wonderful right. um, collaboration going on. And um, um, we recently recorded in the studio some of our songs we've been working mm-hmm. on for a while. But um, So a lot of times the we call the animus or the male archetype mm-hmm. will appear in my dreams as sort of an orchestra leader mm-hmm. or... Like, the the one who's really in charge. So like, I'm playing, <laughs> but I'm playing under his direction. Right. And that's really great, Yeah, you know. Um, to feel that, when I can feel it, yeah. to feel that um, it's not, especially when I mess up, you know, right, that it's not right. all on me, you know. Right
0: right. right, right.
1: And I do mess up quite a bit, so. Know.
0: You know, welcome to the, world (laughs) so that's
1: another sense of the or maybe of the orchestra image of just that moving from the ego-based idea that it's all on me and I'm a solo I'm living life in solo Mm to no you're actually part of an orchestra maybe sometimes you should lay back and let the other guys Mm -hmm. play and you know (laughs) let the gal sing you know you don't really have to be take that all on yourself
0: Right. well and I think there is a sense of I uh, p- part of the anxiety of telling somebody your dream, especially if it's the kind of a new practice, yeah. is this sense of sort of performance anxiety. Mm. Uh, yeah. Which, when you were talking about the first thing you do is to slow it down. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be the antidote to that.
1: Yeah, for We'd, some people. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But people want to. I just I did a little piece and appeared in the Christian Century blog about what the use is of dreams. is mm. a question. That, it was a response to a piece by Michael Chabon, who is a West oh, Coast yeah. right. author. Who says, "I hate dreams."
0: Oh yes, you I know? remember. that. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm trying to answer that. And and oh, uh, good. and um, you know, my
1: main point was that dreams have a use for us. Yeah. That he doesn't. He he's not just doesn't have to be aware of that. Right. He thought right. of a dream as like a bad novel, and yeah. he's right in a way. A dream is a bad short story. It's not. It's not designed <laughs> to entertain. It's actually trying to do something else. For right. Us. Right. And uh, yeah. the very things he complains about, like the, the gaps and the, you know, the condensed moments um, and the inarticulateness, right. are actually there for us to, so we right. can enter into the dream.
0: You know, so. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of this uh, woman I, I heard about who's a sort of a uh, New York socialite. It yeah. has this list of seven things you never talk about in parties. One, one is how you got there. nobody cares about the traffic on right, your right, way, you yeah, know right. one is what your diet is, and the third is what you dream. you know right. your dreams uh, yeah. i can't right. remember the other four but, right, right. You
1: know. well, it's true, and i think I think dreams um, yeah, dreams aren't social in that sense
0: mm.
1: it, it, yeah. But then she's looking at it sort of the way Chabon was looking at it as yes. dreams should be entertaining, but I think we're looking at it and saying, well, no, that's not really their function. Right. They may be entertaining, Sometimes and quite often are. I've laughed out loud, like, yes. awakened, almost fell out of bed laughing right. so hard, right. but, but, you know, that's not really, that's a byproduct of yeah. what they're trying to do. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you have a sense of humor, your dreams are often funny. Yes.
0: I I want to circle back to something yeah. um, we we were talking about just briefly before I started recording, and that is the effect on of dreams on culture, or I guess mm. the relationship of mm. dreams and working on dreams yeah. to some larger milieu. What are your What's your thought about that?
1: Well, I would say that um, you know. S- since the success of science, you know science is not that old right. I mean scientific method I would say it 's about four hundred years old. Mm-hmm. You could probably date it to galileo uh, 's sure. book The Starry Messenger, which I think is sixteen o one so we haven 't been really dealing with the possibility that human beings could actually figure anything out until you know and and, and produce sure. real results right. so we're, this is all new to us right. we 've been dreaming for much longer You're right. so um You know, one of the um, reactions to that around the time of the French Revolution and the Enlightenment was, let's get rid of all that inner stuff, soul, you know, interior stuff. That's nonsense, and we can figure things out through reason. And, you know, I think the 20th century kind of shows what happens, you know, the history of fascism and communism utopianisms of various kinds, it, it doesn't work that well to try to figure things out solely for a reason. Right. There's some other aspect of us which you could call soul, you could call essence, there's some interior. Um, and so, I actually think the romantic poets, you know, Keats mm-hmm. and um, Blake, and even Wordsworth in a certain way, are trying to help us understand um, how dreams or the imagination that dreams represent our mm-hmm. um, views. Mm-hmm. So I see a connection there. I would mm-hmm. say that the the long line of um, romantic poetry that extends from, from that period to ours, and then the romanticism in, in art, has something to do with an understanding that it can't all be just reason. Right. right. Um, so that's one aspect that interests me. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's not, you know... I think um, we talked a little bit about politics and the fact that that in dreams we learn a different mode of relationship than that of dominance. Right. We learn the real love that could be in a relationship with someone who knows more than us, mm-hmm. you know which in the ego base we experience that as as submission on our part, right. and you know this is something Paul Gugan wrote about that the teaching. That the reason teenage boys had trouble in school is that they view it as humiliating to be subordinate.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that people have to understand that if they're going to teach. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think... I I think dreams could change the culture if we accepted their premises and began to operate more from their point of view. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a mighty work. (laughs) That's not easy. It's so against the grain... And then the deeper question really, which hasn't been resolved, is okay, there's this reality of dreams, there's also the reality of the material world that science mm-hmm. has done such a great job. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm glad we have vaccines and we know how to fight epidemics, even right. though people are doubting at this moment. Right. But we do know, yeah. we, and we've learned, and we have science. I'm glad we have those things. Yeah. But um, we couldn't be talking today in the way we are, right. I mean, we use this to connect in mm-hmm. a way that would have been much more difficult 150 years ago, yeah. or even 100 years ago. You know, it's mm-hmm. easy for you to come here; it's easy for me to talk right. to your yeah. iPad. Yeah. It's easy to, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's wonderful. Yeah. So let's not throw that out, but right. but can we learn to? That's the big job. Can we learn to unite this really outer-directed, materialistic, fact-based culture with this really rich, profound interior? culture can we bring them together i don't know, you know can we bring poetry and science together I, I, I certainly don't know how we can do that yeah but our science isn't good enough and maybe sometimes the attitudes of the people on the, on the dream side of the street aren't good enough either maybe we're too uh, wibbly wobbly uh or we're scared of right. that other kind of knowing we don't right. want to acknowledge it you know i often see that
0: Sure. I mean, I, I, I think I think that's spot on. Actually, I think there. To me, the history of the last four hundred years has been this sort of uh, seesawing between enlightenment and romanticism, right. and both sides are kind of horrifying if you take them by in, you, you know, by themselves. I mean, that's right. Honestly, uh, so, you know, dream the the shadow side to me of the old dreamwork movement yep. is be, is this sort of cult of personality. Right. You're know, like I know what your dream means, or let's oh, yeah. just follow dreams in my way, so that we can. Right. J- y- y- right. You know that just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Right. So right. somehow there has yeah. to be a union of those two things.
1: Right. I mean, one of the things that's happened in in my little group and in, in this retreat, we did we were sort of dominated by someone who was who was using it that way, mm-hmm. and um, and also you know to be fair, people you know people want that because they yeah. do get scared. Right. But we, we're trying to demystify that. Yeah. And, and it's great because then you're spreading the responsibility. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, I've always felt that dreams are a natural process and that yeah. in many cultures people would naturally know what to do with their dreams. Right. Um, they might go to the shaman or the sangoma or whoever whoever that person would be who, who's more experienced.
0: hmm Something has expired or is uh, ready yeah, to brew I think,
1: or I think the coffee just
0: This is this off. is live from a New Orleans kitchen <laughs> Right <laughs> That's right. Expect the
1: unexpected <laughs> It's okay. Nothing nothing bad is happening.
0: <laughs> Dream talk radio and yep. the coffee maker. <laughs> right, right, there you go. Well
1: sometimes you need to look off to talk That's about right. dreams.
0: <laughs> anyway, the
1: question you're asking is so um important and i mean the other piece of culture would be around religion and yeah. and the fact that all of our religions are institutionally kind of disintegrating before our eyes and falling apart and the ones that aren't are fighting with each other so yeah. so and, and that's horrifying that's horrifying so so that dreams point to i mean one of the great experiences for me in working with people's dreams is the universality so that i work with people of all of every kind of persuasion and so I don't have to stay inside uh, my birth group mm-hmm. in, in terms of... Ex- and I've learned so much from that. Yeah. And, and that's personal, but I would say that maybe dreams are a way that we can heal this um, triumphalism of religion, which has been right. so destructive. Because you know? yes. when we start talking to each other about our dreams, then we start seeing that... Yeah, under the Buddha and under the Jesus, whoever you know, whoever appears in the dream is something else yeah. that doesn't really have a name yet. But right. but but we can sense it, and I think that's really important. I would say that most of the people I work with, and maybe most people, you know, some are devout, but most are kind of more post post. You right. right. You know, but they they love the pieces that are broken. Yeah. And, right. they, and they really identify with that, you yeah. know. It's like the old joke about the Catholic atheist who says there is no God but marries his mother. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, we hold on to the pieces, right? You know, yeah. And and they're and they're important. Yes, they're important parts of who we are. But but we don't want to fight over the pieces anymore. Right. And yeah. so dreams are kind of healing, saying yeah, because what we were all getting at with these different formulations was something more. Was deeper than a particular mm-hmm. nation or tribe's point of view
0: mm-hmm. and and as you i mean you I love this section in your book about the stories of Genesis of those mm-hmm. early dreamers, and how i yeah. mean yeah. I think not just religion sprang from dreams way back when Absolutely. but also just ethics, you know a right. set of laws and and strictures and the whole. Um, it's it's deeper than the pieces, but the pieces are a really important gateway.
1: Well, this is, what's, this is points back to some of the things you were saying, that at one point in the dream I'm describing uh, the description of the rise of Christianity out of Judaism that's mm-hmm. described in the book of Acts, where people start having dreams and visions that they take very seriously right. as law. You yes. know, for instance, uh, Peter dreams of... You, a blanket with different animals, and says you can eat all of these essentially. And there goes, you know, a thousand years of right. kosher you know, right. out the window. And it's really significant because, yeah. um, uh, the power of the dream if people, if you get a group of people to dream the same dream, you can have the beginning of a new kind of religion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But we always remember that right. it could also become a cult. I mean, yeah. so, so it's yeah. it's it's power, you know, if it. If it isn't dangerous, it's not powerful. And if it isn't powerful, it's not oh, that's dangerous. Right. Yeah,
0: that's right. Well, mm-hmm. um, Roger Kamitz, it's such a pleasure talking with you. I really uh, appreciate your willingness to meet with me. I don't want to take too much of your time, but maybe you could talk about what you're doing in the near future or how people can get in touch with you. Or
1: Sure. Um, they. Um, what am I doing in the near future? Uh, I'm going to give a talk... In Baltimore, on Friday, uh, (laughs) November, oh gosh, I don't remember the date. In November. November 12th, I think it is. Okay, yeah. At the Baltimore Hebrew Congregation, they asked me to talk about dreams. And um, also, actually that's December 12th. Okay. And also, in Baltimore, I'll be at the, um, yeah, that's the main thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And in terms of getting in touch with me... um, I'm, it's uh, Kamenetz.com, K-A-M-E-N-E-T-Z, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they can find me there. I have a. They can write me, um, and uh, yeah, i would be happy to hear Great folks.
0: All right, well, thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Anne. Okay. It's a pleasure.
0: That wraps up another Dream Talk Radio podcast. I'm Anne Hill, and you can find my past shows at dreamtalkradio.net and on iTunes. Be sure and join the Dream Talk Radio Facebook page or follow me on Twitter at Anne Hill to get announcements about future shows. Thanks for listening.